Hey everybody, it's Sam with a brand new podcast, Paranormal Review, where we're going to review different shows, different equipment, sites, locations, history, just different things out there. Uh, you guys feel free to write us at paranormalreviewpods at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Paranormal Review um, on Twitter, and we will probably be making a Facebook page, so feel free to, to let us know what you guys think of this. Um, we're going to start off our first episode with Hans Holzer and the Holzer Files. Uh, we're going to do Season 1, Episode 1, that aired in the United States on October 3rd of 2019. Now, if you guys are on this podcast, feel free to look back past the trailer of this podcast. There you'll find we did some episodes on another podcast called West Virginia Overtime where we did the history of TAPS and how they became ghost hunters and then split up into ghost hunters and ghost nation. We did the first ghost nation episode. We did, um, Ghost Adventures, the Halloween special, where they were at the Conjuring House, which is now um, the farmhouse on Round Top Hill. Um, we did Destination Fear, the Brushy Mountain first episode, and then we did uh, Ghost Hunters first episode, The Boys Are Back. And so we're going to do the first episode of Holzer Files. Then we're kind of going to jump around and hit different series and, and everything. If you want to see an episode reviewed or you want to see a series reviewed, feel free to, like I said, write me at paranormalreviewpods at gmail.com and we can move it up and, and see if we can't get one done for you uh, put out there fairly quickly. Uh, but we are going to be uh, reviewing the new seasons that happened this fall. I was doing some other work and trying to, to launch some different things. And so I DVR'd the episodes and I did not watch them because I knew I wanted to do this podcast and I wanted it to be fresh. I didn't want to you know, have anything where I'd seen it before or I had read about it before. I've tried to kind of stay off most groups and not really comment on anything um, that I haven't seen or to read about anything I haven't seen. So, hey, let's get started. Let's talk about The Holter Files, uh, Season 1, Episode 1. Like I said, it aired in the United States on October 3rd of 2019. The episode's title is Phantoms of the Fire, and they are in Rye, New York. I wasn't sure what to expect with this show. Um, I knew D Dave Schroeder. I had listened to him, Beyond the Darkness. I have kind of followed him. I even contemplated um, taking one of his trips and really wanting to kind of 
hang out and and kind of get to know him better. He seems very intelligent. I love the questions he asks. So when Travel Channel started introducing this, um, I, I was kind of excited. I wasn't sure of who was going to be with him. Now, I heard that the medium, Cindy Carza, was going to come on. I wasn't familiar with her. However, probably, I don't know, about a week after they announced that this show was coming to Travel Channel, a person who I absolutely love and I have to give props to is Elizabeth Saint. Um, she is the one of the founders and one of the leaders of Viddy Space, and you guys got to see her on Ghost of Shepherdstown. I really expect her respect her knowledge and how she looks at things she actually like I said about a month after this was announced um actually was in a location with Cindy Carza and wrote about how wonderful of a person she was but how she was so impressed with her abilities so that kind of got me excited I wasn't sure what was gonna be the show's concept I'm gonna be real honest with you I am kind of new to the paranormal field especially to a lot of you guys uh, compared to a lot of you guys that are listening to this I know some of you that are listening to this have probably been doing this 30 or 40 years I haven't um, I'm coming at it with kind of a skeptical point of view, but I'm very interested and I'm wanting to learn. And so I have, I'm embarrassed, um, but I have to admit, I didn't know who Hans Holter was. I didn't know about his tapes. I have never read about him. I, I know now that he wrote some books, um, that he has case files, um, that he is considered one of America's uh, first so-called ghost hunters, um, someone that was exploring the paranormal. So I am extremely going into this very interested in this show. I love how the show opens playing Hans Holzer's tapes and him actually talking about the case. I like... Um, kind of the premise of going back into someone's files uh, 40, 50 years, even 20 years, whatever, and trying to figure out whether he thought it was paranormal or not, if it was, what it was, and then someone now taking a lot of the different techniques that are kind of accepted by this field, but also some new techniques or trying out new experiments on these older cases that he so meticulously uh, documented in the files he kept, in the tapes, in the research that, that he did. Um, so I... I'm really excited about this as they're explaining it and it's opening up. Um, it starts with a tape from 1963 and it is about Rye, New York. Um, Holzer, it's my understanding, brought in a medium named Ether 
Myers and had her do kind of a seance, a channeling of what we're going to be learning about. So I was a little interested, a little intrigued. Um, I'm going to be real honest with you. I am kind of a chicken. And so the tape and her voice and everything uh, made the hair stand up on my arms because I was like, ooh, I don't know what I'm getting into. But I, I really like how this show immediately starts itself off different than any other show that I've been watching. Um, I, I don't like the copycat shows. I, I sometimes enjoy their investigations. I always enjoy the history and everything. But really sitting down to watch this show, I... I was worried that it, it was just going to be kind of a copycat version of what I've seen in the past. So it opens up with Gabe Roth, who I've, who I've not heard of. They introduce him as a paranormal researcher. And the facts and the files that he's looked through and how he knows um, the questions that are being asked, I'm, I'm impressed already with him. So... Sitting also around the table, like I said, is Dave Schrader, who, I, who I've already expressed numerous respect for. And then we meet Alexandra Holter, who is the daughter of Hans Holter. And I'm going to make the assumption that she is also the owner of his files, his tapes, his research. Um, I haven't did any research on her um, so I don't know whether she is also a paranormal investigator or that if she's going to get involved in every episode or what. But they start breaking down this first case that they're calling the Phantoms of the Fire. And it starts out at the Peck House in Rye, New York. And Hans Holter visited this house three different times and it had three different owners when he was there the last time he visited was in 18 or excuse me 1985 and he found that the water would bleed from the ceilings and the doors were locking on their own there was an apparition of a little girl who had died in an attic fire that people had been seen and that she was found out to be Lottie Peck who was disabled and that she was burned in the fire and then something kind of mysterious happened the owner at that time of the Peck house found a painting of Lottie and hung it in the home and then the activity just went away it it was almost like it magically ceased and they talked to the current owners of the peck home they've been living there for 21 years and have had no disturbances nothing that out of the ordinary or that they would consider paranormal and so i like how dave immediately says the resolution of this problem that happened in 1985 of hanging the painting is pretty mysterious and is almost as mysterious as the hauntings that were happening before. And so 
I immediately really start liking how this is going. Because it's rare that I've seen any paranormal show on TV that they open up a case file that basically is already closed. Um, the Peck House is not being haunted. And, and you know, they haven't had any activity there for at least 21 years. And, and so it gets my mind racing, my mind thinking about, well, well, how are we going to investigate this? How are they going to proceed with this? What are we going to do for, you know, an hour with this case? Are we just going to, maybe since it's the first episode, are we going to explore Hans Holter? Are we going to explore maybe his protocol? Are we going to talk about the three times he visited there? What he found? What they've done maybe since? And... And even then, the thought runs through my mind, well, we've seen other shows where people have uh, written on message boards or in groups or on Reddit or whatever, where they feel that investigators go into a home and stir it up even more. And so that kind of flashed into my mind. Gee, I hope this is not going to be a show where, you know, Dave, Cindy, um, Gabe, and um, Alexandria go in and try to re-stir up, recreate, you know, what happened back when Hans Holters was there. And that's what you're going to find about this podcast, is I'm going to talk about the episode and kind of review it, but I'm going to give you my insights of what I'm thinking as it's going on, and then at the end, kind of recap and give you my final thoughts. And then I want you to be able to talk to me back about what you think about this. Um, do you agree? Do you n- disagree? Um, should things have been different? Did I miss something? Am I making too much of something that maybe isn't there or is there and uh, maybe TV shouldn't have shown or didn't show? Um, so let's continue. We see um, Dave say he's going to talk to the Barents. Um, they are former Peck House owners, and they actually have the painting of Lottie in their new house. So that also brought up a question. Well, they're making it sound like this painting was the solution to the paranormal going away. But yet, the painting is no longer in the Peck House. It's actually been taken from there, yet there's no, still no paranormal disturbances. Which leads me to wonder, were there any there to begin with? So then we meet Cindy Carson. And she's a psychic medium, and she has expressed to Dave that she wants to read the painting. And I'm hoping that you heard that in my voice where I did the air quotes. 
but um, she is wanting to kind of pick up any feelings or history that she can get through touching the painting and looking at the painting and what she sees. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know about this. I don't know a lot about mediums. Um, I'm a historian. I have a history degree. I um, also have an education degree. So, you know, I'm interested in the history of this. And um, I always wonder throughout history about mediums and what they can do, how they can do it, you know, just how it's going to be. And so I always wonder exactly what you know they're going to find out and how detailed can they be and did they read about it before did they have any contact with it before now of course they make it known that Cindy Carson knows nothing uh, about this but with Hans Holzer being you know a, a big deal in the paranormal community even though, yes, I didn't know about him. But, you know, him being a big deal in the paranormal community, I wonder, you know, has Cindy, Cindy Carza heard of him before? Has she heard of this case? Was this one of his more popular cases? And so I'm interested in this. I don't understand this. I've never seen anyone do it. So it to me was fascinating so Cindy sits down and says that she immediately hears a voice saying I didn't do it and she feels like the girl in the painting was actually locked into a room but that it had a window that she could see from and that there was a rocking chair in the attic. She sees and feels a, a fire, and she believes that her death wasn't an accident, and that she was still locked in the room. She couldn't get out, and that she tried, but that basically she was murdered. Then she asked Dave if she had a younger brother, and that she believes that she did, that the younger brother would have been sick, and that he was taken into the woods. And you see this look on Dave Schrader's face like, whoa, she just kind of veered, and I don't know what she's talking about now. So when I see that reaction, I'm immediately kind of intrigued. Are we going to find out something? Um, is she totally off base? What What's going on here? So she repeats uh, about being taken through the woods and taken to a different house and that there's unfinished business. Then we see Dave and Cindy sit down with Tony Ben Hart, who was a young child in the Peck house 
and he shares his experiences of the door slamming and locks turning. He even talks about a chain lock that would unlock and they would come in and find the chain actually swinging. And then when they had parties that they felt like they were disturbing someone and that water would appear on the ceiling and leak. And I just um, wasn't sure of that. Um, you know, I want to believe people when, when they're talking. Um, but he was a young child. And I'm wondering how young he was. Um, how long did this go on? I have so many questions that I felt like I wanted to ask him. Because... I, I kind of want to know his validity as far as, you know, is he remembering this from the age of three or four? And it's really stories that maybe he's heard and, and has created memories from. Or was he older where, you know, he is actually remembering this stuff um, and, and feeling it for himself. So I was really happy to see them then flash to Barbara Renhart, who actually was the owner of the house and is his mother. And she's the one that found the painting and got the idea to hang Lottie's picture up in the entrance hallway and then was amazed that everything just stopped. And I'm sure she was relieved if all of that was going on, um, that, you know, water was coming from the ceiling and she brought in contractors and they're not finding anything and she's hearing doors slam and, and on and on and on. So um, I'm sure that was a relief. But then she immediately brings up that a different house, she heard that another house over um, near them in the same town started having a lot of the same problems. And so that's kind of where things are starting to click as far as... You know, Cindy, when she was looking at the painting, talked about moving through the woods and going to a different house. Um, I'm also getting the feeling, hey, we might be going to check out this other house and see if it's still having issues. Because like I said, I was wondering what are we going to do with the Peck House? Is this going to be a mostly history show about Hans Holter? So, um, we come back and we find that in the 60s, um, Hans Holter did, you know, a couple visits there to the Peck House. And like I said earlier, he brought Ethel Myers in, who was a medium, to do a seance. And that she channeled Lottie and you know they play this for Barbara and it is kind of creepy it's um really kind of and it seems like it it does disturb Barbara just a little bit 
still not real sure why they played that. But um, anyway, through their research, they find out that the Knapp house is the one that she had heard had been having a lot of the same experiences after they hung Lottie's um, picture up in the hallway. So, through some digging, they find out that the Rye Historical Society uh, bought that house in 82, and that there has been countless reports of different occurrences happening by employees and visitors. They've got it, the house kind of set up as a museum. It's the oldest house in Rye, New York, uh, after being completed in 16... 97 and that they then talk and find out that the pecs and the naps were actually related and that back in the 1600s these these properties were actually neighbor properties the, the properties actually touched and Dave brings up that the painting of Lottie was hung in the Peck House in 1985. And Sherry, who he is talking to, who runs uh, the Knapp House, starts saying that in 1985 is when things started getting reported at the Knapp House and how... This was kind of weird and uh, freaked her out a little bit. Um, Dave was shocked and I was a little shocked when Sherry being a historian admits that she tries to never be in that nap house alone. She definitely doesn't want to be there after dark. Um, because you find that most historians are skeptics. You find that they're very black and white and that they want to just truly believe in the facts or what they can prove or, or you know, what they can see and dig up and, and things like that. And that's kind of how I was. Um, I'm a, I'm a pretty black and white person, but through, um, different events in my life and meeting different people, talking with different people, seeing different shows, reading about different things, I have at least, um, opened up to a little bit of the gray area. So then we see Cindy and Dave actually visit the Knapp House, where they're going to meet Allie, the collections manager that works there. And I noticed immediately that it's it's now dark. So I'm assuming that Sherry, um, the historian for the Knapp House, has taken off because she doesn't like being there. And so Allie talks about how she was working late one night, and then she just kind of started talking after feeling a weird feeling and was like, look, I don't want to see you. I don't want you appearing. And she talks about how she immediately hears, you know, three stomps above her. And Dave asks, you know, does this house have anything tragically that has went on? Um, is there anything that she can kind of 
point to. Or almost um, feel like may have brought anything on with the house. And Allie starts talking about how Joseph Halstead um, lived in the Knapp house. He was the eldest son of Ezekiel and that he bought the house in 1749 and how Joseph was um, physically disabled and had to stay in bed quite frequently and wasn't able to really get out, move around, or, or you know, lead a so-called normal life, and how Ezekiel made the decision, basically, to just pass over Joseph for his inheritance, and instead, Joseph's younger brother, the second son, who was also named Ezekiel, actually got everything, and... Cindy then talks about how she's getting goosebumps about the similarities that are between Lottie having mental and physical disabilities and kind of being shut away and Joseph having physical disabilities and basically being confined to his bed and not being able to get out. Um... Then Allie takes them upstairs, starts showing them around, showing them different bedrooms, and then shows them a small room that appears to be kind of over in the corner. And when they walk in there, I mean, it is an extremely small room, probably the size of a lot of used closet out there nowadays. Um... And like she said, you could probably maybe fit a twin mattress in there. I mean, you're not getting a king-size mattress in there at all. But that you might be able to fit a twin mattress in there maybe. And that it does have a window. Um, it's um, kind of in the corner. And how she feels creeped out there and creepy is a word you're going to hear me using and, and them using a lot because you do kind of get this weird feeling there and Cindy brings up that she feels kind of like Lottie Peck has kind of led here, her here and so that makes you kind of wonder what is likely is kind of going on here. I like Dave's case logs. Um, I mean, I I really, really do like Dave's case logs. Um, where he can kind of do... It's almost a stream of consciousness. Um, he's uh, asking questions of himself, of the of the viewers. He's 
almost noting things to follow up on things that are interesting to him. It's kind of almost what I'm doing with this podcast. And so I really enjoy every time they're showing um, Dave's case log. I hope they continue to do that in the future episodes because I'm really enjoying that. And then we see Dave make a call to Alexandra Holzer. Um, just to kind of fill her in about how they have discovered now the Knapp House and all of the similarities that are going on there and how possibly in 1985 that things kind of moved from the Peck House to the Knapp House. And that leads Alexandria to talk about how her father believed in the transfer of energy and how that can happen and how um, he truly believed that entities are not confined to the walls of a house or structure or anything, but that energies can actually travel. And... I mean, I've heard that a little bit in other shows, but not really stated almost as fact. She she states that almost as if she's got proof. And so I'm interested in that. I hope that Alexandria can play a bigger part in future episodes because I really want to hear about her father's research and if she's continued it and what she thinks about it now. She also says, keep in mind the protocols, the focus, and the intent. And I really want to stop there and kind of pause and talk just a little bit about that. I really enjoyed that. I think you're going to find the shows that I enjoy, the shows that I get something out of, the shows where I feel like um, something is done, whether it is to debunk or whether it is to prove or, or somewhere in between, they do have protocols. They have a focus. They have an intent. So, um, I just want to warn you guys that I do like that statement and I like that she's setting up, Hey Dave, don't forget, you know, we want to do this and we want to do it in a manner that people can follow and maybe even start recreating. Um, and then she kind of warns him, Hey, um, don't forget that your energy can bring and fuel and add to fire of energy that's already located there. And so I like that. So we get introduced to Shane Pittman. And they say underneath his name that he is the equipment tech. So since I've already watched, you know, um, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation, um, earlier for this podcast, I am kind of expecting him to be like Brandon Alvis or Steve Gonzalez or, or Dave Tango or something like that. Um, I'm expecting him to kind of go over equipment maybe or talk about setups. And he 
kind of does that as far as saying to Dave that, you know, he has put cameras all over the whole entire nap house. There's cameras in every room. They're, they're filming. He has set up a central nerve center where, you know, the cameras can be seen and everything. But as the episode goes, and I don't want to reveal too much, but obviously I've already watched the episode. Um, Shane, I think, is way more than a camera tech. Um, I feel like he is another investigator. He he is bait. Um, he is not Aaron Goodwin bait as far as doing it on purpose or anything like that. But um, I feel like Shane is way more than, than just an equipment tech. Then they start showing um, the the tapes, the seance tapes of Ether Myers again, and this is just out and out creepy, and at this point, we've moved away from the Peck house, we've kind of almost went on our own investigation, so I don't really like whoever made, in the production, made the choice to kind of bring those back, um, because we've moved on. We've moved past this. We're past the seance. We're past Ethel Myers. We're past the Peck House. We're, we're kind of into a different area. We're into a completely different house. And we're exploring things. And I understand that they obviously have already been through this when they're putting this episode together. But I just really think they should have dropped that part. It's almost like Ghost Adventures playing the creepy baby um, that you, we all know as they're going to commercial or coming back from commercial. Um, it's a little overdone. Quit it. You know, so um, so we get down to the investigation and they start showing us that they're investigating the nap house at 2.12 a.m. And I like how they timestamp that. Um, I wish more shows would actually do the timestamping and kind of show the progress. I think that's one of the things that I hear the most in groups or on Reddit or on message boards or anything like that from people that consider themselves paranormal investigators is that they can go set for eight hours somewhere and maybe catch one minor thing. And on these TV shows, um, in a, in an hour, they make it sound like, the, you know, they're getting 40 things. And we're not really seeing, hey, this is day one. We got this at 9.05. Well, we didn't get anything else until 2.50. And then we got something else as we were packing up at 401. And then we came back for day two. You know, they're not really time stamping it and really letting the public know, letting their fans know that, hey, we sat here for four hours and nothing happened. And so I kind of wish that more shows would time stamp so that we would at least know how much time is is going on in between all of this. So we see, you know, Dave, Shane, and Cindy in the home. My first question was, um, is Gabe the paranormal researcher? Is is he not part of the location group? 
and if he's not going to be in future episodes or this, I wish they would have explained that. I also wish he would have been there, or in a van outside, or they popped him in, um, you know, the nerve center, because he is the researcher. He probably knows more if um, not just the same amount as anyone there as far as Shane, Dave, and Cindy. And so I kind of wish he was there. Um, I understand that they're investigating the Knapp House, and Hans Holter never went to the Knapp House. So I understood why Alexandria um, Holter is not there. But I hope that she is there uh, in future episodes when they do some investigations of her dad's cases, which I'm assuming they're going to do. Like I said, I haven't I haven't been that far yet. I'm not I'm not there, so don't clue me in yet. But um, I'm hoping that because she also has the research and the background of her dad's investigations, that she can bring that and add that to the show. So they almost immediately hear sounds going on around them. And Cindy says that she sees Joseph in the doorway and that he has bed sores and bruises and then it's not too long after that that Dave jumps and he feels a breath on his neck and um, I don't believe that Dave was acting and when I watch these shows and, and we talk about reviewing these shows and everything I'm going to call them out when I think they're acting. But I truly don't believe Dave here was. Um, I, I think that he had a legitimate reaction and was a little unnerved because he wasn't expecting that. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call straight into the microphone. But um, I don't think because um, Holly and Cherry had not said that that may happen in that room uh, downstairs. I don't think that he was bracing himself for it. So I think we got an honest general reaction. And Cindy makes the suggestion to Shane is, hey, let's get a thermal camera in here. So as we see Shane kind of panning, we see, you know, what the thermal camera is or is not picking up. And Cindy talks about how she is now seeing Joseph standing next to Shane. Well, I like how Shane calmly, he doesn't jerk it, but he very calmly um, moves the camera. And he moves it in a way that, you know, we can see there's no one darting out of the picture. Um, he moves it in a way that we can see not only from the bottom to the top, over, top, down to the bottom, but, I mean, he's covering the area to see if he can pick anything up in a, what I found to be a logical manner. Um, I don't like shows where they immediately swing the camera, and so... It's almost like the camera loses 
something. It can't catch up. The pitcher can't catch up. The focus can't catch up. And so a lot of shows want to say, oh, we saw something darting or, or we saw a black shadow or black mist. Or, so I was really impressed with Shane actually, you know, kind of moving the camera slow. So after they don't pick anything up, they don't try to beat a dead horse. Um, they don't go chasing after things. Um, we do not see them saying, oh, well, he must have moved in that room next door. Let's go over there. I mean, we don't, we don't see them running. We don't see them cha- chasing after things. It is, I feel like, very methodical. And, and I, I kind of enjoyed that. Now, I know that there are some of you out there that are listening to me, to me on this podcast and say, well, that's the part I hate. I want them to go do this and do that and run after things. Well, maybe they will in future episodes. I don't know. But I was impressed that they didn't because I kind of get tired of it. Um, I get tired of seeing from one person's camera that the other two are running and it seems like in editing then the person who's running we get a picture of their camera and of course it's bouncing up and down and you can't really see anything and then they flash back to the person who's standing still and you see them going in and then they get to the room or the upstairs where they're going and and the camera's just flashing all over the place and I feel like we don't get a good picture of number one what they're seeing what they're feeling I I just feel like they let their emotions get so far out of control so I was I was pretty pretty impressed with this So then we see them go upstairs. And before they start walking up there, Cindy kind of stops and says that she sees a woman that she feels is pure evil walking down the stairs. Um, They continue up the stairs. And Cindy starts describing how she is beginning to feel sick she says you know that this is bad this is bad this is not human uh she believes that it was evil disguised as a human at coming up those stairs and and she goes in to an upstairs bedroom alone as Dave is leading Shane to the creepy small room over, you know, in the corner where they believe that Joseph might have been left alone a lot and might have been his bedroom. And I like how Shane immediately says, um, this is feeling weird. Um, not sure I really like this. I also like how Dave is just like, eh, I'm going to, I'm going down to uh, nerve center. See you later. You go in there alone. 
So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of like how Dave doesn't feed in to Shane, but, um, that Shane, this is his first time there, and he's picking up, hey, I'm, I'm not all about this small room here. Um, so then we see flashbacks going back and forth. Not flashbacks as in past time to, to present time, but, um, going back and forth, I guess is a better way maybe to explain it, between Cindy and Shane. And we kind of see what each is doing at the same time. I enjoy this. Um, a lot of times, a lot of shows, um, will say, hey, let's split up, and I'm going to go to room A, you go to room B, and they follow what's going on in room A, and the whole entire time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, what's going over in B? And, um... You'll, you'll see all kinds of things happening in an A, and then towards the end, or eventually, they, you know, go over in room B, and, like, one thing's happened, and, or they show one thing, or maybe they don't show anything, and they don't really talk about it. Um, I wanted to know, hey, what's going on over there in room B? Are they, are they just sitting there, you know, twiddling their thumbs? Or is there stuff going on that you're going to show me in a special bonus episode in a year? Or, you know, what what's happening? Are they going to sleep over there? What's going on? So I enjoy this. Um, Cindy sits down to do automatic writing as Shane starts doing uh, an EVP. And so they kind of start flipping back and forth. Um, Cindy starts writing, and she says that she feels like souls and uh, are being eaten for energy, and Shane immediately starts hearing footsteps. And he's hearing them outside his door. And so he's talking aloud, and so is Cindy. And I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, that they were doing this basically for us on TV. But I realized, because Dave pipes in, they're doing this also for Dave. Um, yes, they know this is a TV show, but I felt like Cindy and Shane were saying it for Dave's benefit, not only, you know, to record what was happening, but so he can help monitor what's going on and can tell them. Because Dave immediately pops up and reassures him, hey, no, you're alone. There, There's nobody outside the door. Um, I can't see anything. I'm not seeing any, you know, shadows, no mist. Um you know, a camera person's not there, there's no one there, you're alone, and he kind of reassures him, so Shane starts talking to Joseph for, um, you know, an EVP, and asks Joseph, hey, can you do something, can, can you show me that you're here, can, can you let me know that what I'm feeling is you, well, Shane just immediately jumps and says that something grabbed his neck. And we flash over to Cindy, and Cindy is, 
you know, asking, give me a name. What's your name? And and so then we flash back to Shane and Shane says that he is starting to feel heavy air around him and is kind of wondering what's going on and if someone's with him. Um, you know, Shane is saying, I don't want to put my back to this wall. I I don't want to almost turn my back to anything. And Cindy is saying, now I know the name. And Dave is telling her, hey, don't say the name. And, you know, Cindy says, your name is, as the film cuts to Shane, jumping because something has grabbed him again. And Shane is like, I am out of here. And he leaves the room. And Cindy says she is scared to say the name of the demon out loud. Which immediately sent red flags to me. Um, not red flags as in, oh my gosh, they're dealing with a demon. No, no, no. Um, I have been putting up since Nick Groff left. Um, Ghost Adventures with Zach Baggins being a demon hunter and trying to think that there's demons all over the place in Ghost Adventures. And so as soon as Cindy said that, I have to call out my bias. I immediately thought, oh, please, this show has been pretty good. Do not go downhill. Because I know Dave Schrader has been on Ghost Adventures. I know that he's friends with Zach. I know that he sometimes does research for Ghost Adventures. And he's involved in the show. And I'm thinking, please do not turn this into a Demon Hunter show. Please. So I was really excited when they came back from commercial. And uh, they really didn't mention it. Um, you know, they didn't go into the demon part. Um, Dave really didn't want them to, um, I guess, tell each other the perceptions in the room. He didn't want to taint any evidence that he may be getting or anything like that. He just had them kind of switch places so Cindy is now in the small room with the aftermath of what she's experienced Shane is going into the upper bedroom with what he experienced now I assumed that Shane was going to be alone but Dave goes with him and I'm assuming that maybe off camera or something that Shane may have asked for that. Or maybe Dave just read that Shane was a little shaky and needed him with him. But um, I like how Dave goes in there kind of with a commanding voice. Um, almost a powerful voice. And it's almost like Dave has this persona. Um do not mess with me. I do not want to be messed with. And he basically asks immediately who was attacking Shane in the other room. 
we flash over and we see Cindy talking to Joseph. Um, because I guess she can see him. She doesn't come out and say that, but she is talking to Joseph. We flash back to Dave basically asking guardians that are around him and Shane to inject the dark bean or beans from this home. And if I'm Dave, or excuse me, if I'm Shane, when Dave says that, I think it's automatically popping in to my mind. Oh, gee, what did Cindy do? What did Cindy stir up? What did Cindy find out? Why is Dave all of a sudden wanting to eject dark beans? Um, I don't know that he's doing this because I got grabbed on my neck. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked that we didn't see more of a reaction there from Shane. So that leads me to wonder, was there a stopping camera? Did we not get to see them actually sharing their experiences before they switched rooms? Because there wasn't a timestamp there. And so I wonder if Shane did know that Cindy was doing automatic writing and that she was asking for a name because Shane is doesn't show I don't think a normal reaction there however he does get interested and says hey what's that um look at this and water spots are starting to appear on the ceiling and Shane can see them through the thermal cam so they decide hey we really need to debunk this. You know, this happened in the Peck House. We need to see if the Nap House has some issues. Maybe they didn't tell us. So they decide to go up and look in the attic to see, you know, if there there is water. Um, Dave goes up there. They show with a camera, you know, it is very dry. There, there's no water pooling in the area. There doesn't look like it's even ever been wet. Cindy immediately opens the door and hollers for Dave to, to watch himself. And that she sees something, you know, trying to kick him in the back to hurt him. Uh, tells him to watch himself coming down the stairs. And um, Dave immediately just says... Okay, he, I mean, he believes Cindy, he trusts Cindy, and he says, um, I'm getting a weird feeling, I think I'm just gonna come down backwards, cause I don't feel real comfortable turning my bike, and so we, we, we see him, um, that he, he's gonna go down backwards, so they kind of gather in, you know, the downstairs, and again, they showed us the timestamp. I, I want a timestamp here. How long in between here? Did they investigate other rooms? Um, did they try other things? I wish they would have mentioned that. Or is this immediately after that? Um, Dave just feels like before they leave that they should kind of talk to Joseph. Um, I like this. We don't see enough shows do this. Um, he 
actually talks to Joseph and says, you know, that people care. People care about him like they care about Lottie, that he believes that, you know, Lottie is here. He wants him to rest now. And then in kind of a commanding voice, he says that the dark entities need to leave. They start reviewing footage, they jump forward and start reviewing the footage, and Shane plays um, an EVP of something that he believes is saying his name, Shane. Um, Cindy also hears this. However, I replayed it on my DVR a couple times, and I, I can hear the space. I think that they're talking about, I don't hear a name. I don't, I can't make anything out, but I'm new at this. And so maybe uh, to a trained ear, they hear Shane. That's something I want you guys to contact me about. Do you hear something on there saying Shane? Well, then they kind of leave us a little cliffhanger as they go to commercial with them seeing something, but they don't actually show it. We come back from commercial, and they're in the sharing evidence kind of phase with Sherry Jordan at the Knapp House, and it's just Cindy and Dave, and... Cindy says in kind of a matter-of-fact way that um, Joseph and Lottie are there, but they're not going to be doing things. Um, you know, that they're good spirits and what, you know, they're not causing any any problems or anything. Um, Shane then puts up a thermal handprint on a window. So, um, he shows this in several different ways, and I really felt like I got a good look at it. I don't feel like that they were hiding anything, because they showed it twice, pretty much at normal speed. They showed it backwards. Then they slowed it down and kind of described how the palm comes and you see the fingers rolling. They stop it and show there's no shadows inside the room and that you can see out the window and see that there's no one standing there. So I I really do like how they did that. I also like how then Dave explains that it was Hans Holter's protocol to bring a medium to a location with absolutely no information, and that they do this with Cindy. So that goes back to Alexandria saying, hey, follow my dad's protocol. 
And I like that, that we're finding out, you know, what is the protocol and why Cindy isn't told anything. So Cindy informs Sherry that, you know, she doesn't believe that Shane was grabbed by Joseph, that she believes something inhuman is there. And I like her using that. She's not throwing the word demon around because that has a very serious um, negative connotation um, on paranormal TV. And she just says, you know, I believe there's something in human here. And they talk about how they believe that when Letty moved from the Peck house, that an evil spirit also moved with her. And that's how it was brought there. And that it basically feeds off any of the spirits that live there, including Lottie and Joseph, and that it feeds off the employees being scared, it feeds off visitors coming in, it's taking energy, and how Joseph basically just wants to be remembered. And then I really like how there's kind of a conclusion and I don't know if we're going to get that in every episode, um, but I like that in this first episode, there kind of is a conclusion. We kind of know what they did, because I see so many times, like I said on Reddit or in message boards or groups or, or different things that um, people want to know. Did they get the spirits to move on? Did did um, they do a blessing? Did did they just leave them alone? Um, you know, there's a lot of people, and a lot of times it's the same people saying, well, I bet they just went in there and start everything up and then left these poor people to deal with it. Well, you know, there is a conclusion because Dave makes a comment, we did a blessing and ask, you know, dark entities to leave. Now, hopefully... Eventually, we'll hear some kind of follow-up, you know, about the Knapp House, what it's like, or anything like that. Um, I know a lot of people want that to happen in that particular TV show, but I think a lot of people don't understand that sometimes these are, are filmed you know, anywhere from six weeks to three months before, and a lot of times they don't know the answers. And do we as viewers or we as fans of these TV shows, do we want to wait a year in order to see the episode to see, you know, did this work, did, what went on and everything? I, I think the answer is no. So I hope that eventually maybe they'll go back, uh, maybe they'll do some kind of Q&A somewhere and, and publicize it or they'll show it on TV or something where we do find out whether or not this actually worked or or not and how, you know, that goes. So um, as far as this particular show, like I said, I like the premise. Um, I like re-going through some cases I like being able to talk about the old cases um, and I enjoyed this first one even though we didn't really 
go into the Peck House a lot. Uh, it was more about the Knapp House, but it was a follow-through, and, and it, it, there was a connection. It wasn't a, let's just jump over here thing. They actually made a connection, and so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, that they kind of have a different show. They have a different style. And so I really like this. I want to stick with this show. You're going to hear probably a review of, you know, episode two pretty soon because I, I just enjoyed it. I, I want to, I want to see more. I'm not frustrated with them. Um, I'm not making fun of them. I'm not pointing out where where I feel like that they made any big mistakes or anything. Am I right? Um, did you hate this show? Um, do you think that they made some mistakes? Do you think maybe they should have stayed with the Beck House? And you think the, the Nap House was just like a jump? Or what do you think of this? What were some questions that you had? You know, I've kind of been talking, rambling on here. We're, we're over an hour now about this show and what I think and what I wanted to do and what I want to see. Um, for those of you out there that have seen this, or if you haven't seen this, I encourage you to watch the show. Um, write me. Like I said, we're at uh, paranormalreviewpods at gmail.com. Um, you can tweet me at paranormalreview. Um, let me know kind of what you think. DM me. Um, let me know what you think and uh, what you want to see in the future with the, the show. Um, let me know what you think of this podcast. What do you think about me? What, what do you think about what I think? Um, you think I'm full of it? Do you think I'm learning anything? Do you think I need to, to go study for 30 years and then come back and podcast? What exactly do you think of this podcast? Um, just just kind of drop me a line and don't forget to subscribe to us um right now we are on red circle uh and google podcasts and spotify but uh we should be up on all major platforms here i would say in the next week or so so you guys be looking for subscribe and i will talk to you soon